1: sports car blazing a new trail of excitement the new Ford Bronco for 1966 a rough tough go anywhere climb anything sports car choice of powerful six or big new 200 horsepower V8 engine clear out snow in four-wheel drive cruise down a road in two two-wheel drive without annoying whine smooth as silk on paved roads Ford's new Bronco gives you synchronized shifting velvet smooth coil spring ride bronco roadster built for fun bronco sports utility a do anything workhorse bronco wagon family carry-on name of bronco a new v8 bronco at your ford dealer. okay here's our four-wheeling rally over these tough dirt trails then enter mount rushmore park and get up close to those presidents ford bronco a complete four-wheeler family size comfort Big Cube 351 V8 Standard. Front quad shock option. Part-time four-wheel drive with optional automatic. Did you get close to Mount Rushmore? This close enough for you? The Ford Bronco. Compare it with any four-wheeler anywhere. This country has a strange relationship with the wild. As much as we talk about it, and paint paintings of it, and sing songs about how we're destined to be it. We seem to spend every waking hour in places that keep us away from it. So to get back to the wild, we need something built for it. Something that acts like it's been out here before, because it has. Introducing the return of a legend the all-new Bronco two-door, the first ever Bronco four-door, and the adventure-ready Bronco Sport. Built to get you to all those places you normally only see in nature documentaries. Built for capability, for adventure, for enjoying the open air, on the open road, in the parts of the world without posted speed limits. Because if something is going to be called a Bronco, you need something that can look adventure in the eye and give it a firm handshake. Something built with the toughness of an F-Series and the spirit of a Mustang. It better be able to live up to that name. Meet the future of off-roading. The all-new Bronco family i'm a ford truck man that's all i try and now hey rocky watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat again nothing up my sleeve (laughs) Presto! no doubt about it i gotta get another hat now here's something we hope you'll really like
2: hi this is etzel ford with the ford motor company and you're listening to nostalgic radio
1: and cars enjoy the show
0: Welcome you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers in Google, Tantalk1340.com. You can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfStreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And, and, if you miss any of our past shows, don't forget to check out our archive page. Or just simply Google Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Good evening, Bobby. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you? Pretty good. Uh, Mr. Uh, COVID-protected... Uh, Show producer Tommy behind the glass wall there. How you doing, buddy? Just stay back your six feet and I'll be fine. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Well, I think we're probably when we figure this out. We figure oh, about we're 12, a good. Twelve 15. feet. 12, yeah. Yeah. fifteen feet. Okay, good. So, uh, so that means if I breathe in that direction, it's going to just kind of like bounce back off the glass and, and go come back over. to the air gonna conditioning. Gonna hit Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> it'll,
2: it'll be, it'll be and me. It'll. Yeah.
3: And about. go in the air conditioning and then go in his room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, up until today, anyway. I
0: was doing pretty good. I wasn't. Uh, I escaped wearing having to wear a mask and. Today, I was over at a friend of mine's museum over in uh, Tampa, uh, checking out all the Porsches he's got over there, and they told me I had to wear a mask, and I was debating, this is how, like, you're, like, okay, if I'm walking into a store, eh, I don't have to really go there, but I really wanted to see those Porsches, and some of the race cars, and the 68 Shelby GT500KR that was sitting, that was lurking, lurking, lurking in the back of the uh, museum, along with numerous... Um, Porsches. So I did. I succumbed to a mask for about uh, 11 seconds. However long it took me to walk from one door to the other door. And of course, when I walked in there, nobody was wearing a mask. No, so I wasn't wearing a mask. So, jury's still out of it. Uh, we have mixed emotions about this, obviously. But anyway, nonetheless, uh, wear masks just to be on a safe side. It never hurts to uh, um, just be overly cautious.
3: Especially here in Pinellas and Hillsborough. Oh, yeah. Pinellas,
0: Hillsborough and Pasco. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Pasco. I actually walked into a racetrack the other day or last week and
3: yeah that was anyway but uh yeah fla go ahead flacarshows.com make sure you um make sure you you there's a favorite event spot i saw today that you can you know you can dream about the events that you'd like to be going to and you can save them to your favorite events and uh basically keep your own uh, car show list ready to go that's okay. a cool feature
0: right well, anyway, like I said, you know, uh, people still out there driving their cars. I bump into people all the time. I always hear stories about, you know, guys driving down the road in his old classic car, and people just go, thumbs up. It's really cool to have a late model exotic car. That is kind of cool if you got a Porsche, Ferrari, or something like that. But when you're driving a vintage car, I don't know, it just something about it, it just hits a nerve, you know, and people just go, wow. And I was reading an article today, and it said, and I'm not saying this because I'm partial to Ford's, which I am, but in this particular case, it's true. Haggerty came out with a storyline, a narrative, that said that the 1965 and 1966 Mustang is the all-time most popular classic car. And that's probably the most classic, or most collectible, and most sought-after car because of a number of reasons. One, it's true Americana, more so than any other car, other than maybe a Model T. And it's affordable. It's fun. It's reliable. It's easy to fix, and the parts network—you know, even right here in Ocala, just a couple hours up the road off 75, our good friends up at National Parts Depot. It's a plug, a shameless plug for our good friends at NPD, Ricky and those guys. But at any rate, you know, you can buy anything and everything you want. I have a couple Mustang project cars for sale, and they're both—one's a '65 convertible, four-speed, 29 car, and the other one's a '67, 289, four-barrel, four-speed car. Four-speed cars, like I've said before, are always a 25% or more premium. Okay? Factory four-speed cars. Even if you convert the car from an automatic to a stick, you're going to be money ahead. Okay? And nowadays, you know, with all the trick stuff that you got out there, you know, you can drop a Coyote motor in there for five grand. So do you buy a 302, a 427, or something like that, or are you drop a Coyote in there with a six or a seven-speed? and A uh, six-speed, rather. I mean, I think there's a transmission company out there that makes a seven-speed now. In fact, Bobby, weren't we just reading that the new Bronco comes with an optional seven-speed transmission?
3: Yes, yes, manual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the
0: new Bronco made its uh, video debut yesterday, I guess, on the 13th. Is that what it was, Bobby? You yeah. You kind of it. where they did
3: the um, reveal in the, uh, yeah, via, via live stream. Okay. Did well, that's manual. one of the reasons
0: why we played the uh, the, the clips, the 66 factory Ford commercial, the 78 Ford factory commercial, and the, uh, the 2021. Now, I happen to own a 1979 Ford Bronco that I bought new at Bill Curry Ford in Tampa. Um, back in the day, I went to Walker Ford, I went to Chick Smith Ford, who was downtown Clearwater, just a little bit south of Clearwater. That was his old ad, but then he moved downtown. And I think there was one of the Ford dealership. but Bill Curry happened to have what I wanted. Everybody around here had a black with red interior. I wanted a triple black. So I got a triple black XLT and I've had it ever since, 1979. Actually, they dealer traded it from another dealer and brought it down from Alabama, so it's an Alabama truck. But anyway, it's still all original. In fact, Bobby got his driver's license in that vehicle, so it's kind of like his little baby now. But it's fairly original, all original sheet metal. Um, even the interior is original, except for... i just in process of replacing the carpeting on it and the driver's seat upholstery, which took forever. Now, there's a company out in Washington State because in 79, they actually had an uh, optional captain's chair with a folding armrests option. You came with uh, low back bucket seats or high back bucket seat captain chair. For some reason, a lot of people didn't order that option. Mine happened to have it. And mine has tilt and cruise control. I have uh, tinted windows, air conditioning. Um, it came with 350s in it roughly, 354, 350s. I converted it over to, mine might have four in it. And then I'm running 1250s on it, um, 1250, 15s. And uh, on Western wheels, which had been on the truck since 1979. In fact, what was interesting is when I bought the vehicle, and this was really cool. See, back in the day, you could actually order everything a la carte. And uh, so you could order um, options and you delete options, you know. I mean, it's not like today. Today, everything comes in packages. Back then, you just went down a checklist. I recall that very vividly because when I went in there, for example, in 1970. Two to order a 1972 Ford Ranchero GT with a Boss 429. I checked everything and it said 429, but it didn't say B9, Boss 9, or wasn't a, you know the big motor. It was 72 was still a smog motor already, and you could get the optional 351 Cobra Jet, a uh, 302, a six-cylinder, even uh, 351 two-barrel, 351 four-barrel Cobra Jet, like I said, and a 429 four-barrel motor, but it wasn't a big motor. But at any rate. That never happened. I did end up with the car, which I still have obviously since high school, which I talk about from time to time. And uh it ran with 514 gears and a 13 to 1 Boss 351 motor, it ran like 1270s on the street. So that was pretty quick back in the day. Yeah, but think about the 514 gears. But anyway, so on my Bronco, um it's a fairly original piece and kind of glad I still have it. It's kind of neat. But at any rate, so they're coming out with a new Bronco, and I think it's going to appeal to the younger generation. I mean, it's a it's a name, it's a brand, and then these retro style that they came out with on a new Bronco, and you don't really know much about it yet because I haven't seen one yet. But I've read a little bit about it. Looks very much true to the original. Um, 1966 Ford Bronco. And what's interesting is even a lot of the detail, you know, the the, the fenders, the shape of the fenders, the bump on the hood, um, and there was a name for the ones that didn't have the doors. I forget what they call that because it was, a, it was an option. Actually what it was was you took the door out and had a fiberglass insert that went in there. I don't know what the new ones are going to have. But it's just a cool little piece and it comes in a two-door and a four-door version, which is kind of neat. So it's going to go after the Jeep market. But it's all Ford, and uh, and I will have to say this, you know, Ford, even with the Mustang, you know, now they're bringing out the Mach One in 2021, and the graphics, the look, the style, the marketing, the whole nine yards. I mean, the Mach One's a Mach One, and the Mach One, really, back in '69 when it first came out, was kind of the car that sealed the fate to Shelby's on Shelby's because Shelby's was kind of in that same market. The Mach One was expensive; it was a really pricey, deluxe, luxed-out, you know, uh, Mustang. And, uh, and Shelby was, you know, a Mustang on steroids taken to the next level, but it had, it had all the, uh, but it wasn't Carroll Shelby. It was Ford because in 70, 60, 68, Ford, Shelby sold out to Ford and Ford took over. And uh, so, but at any rate, but the Bronco looks very much true to its original form, just like the Mustang today looks very familiar and has that sleek look. You know, if you look at a 65, 66 Mustang fastback or a Shelby, you know, it just has that kind of look. So it's got really great line. And it's not a cumbersome looking car, unlike, you know, you look at the Camaro, which is bulky. And if you look at the Challenger, it is also bulky. I don't know if you guys have sat in those cars, but when you sit in those cars, it's like you're sitting in a van. I mean, it's just like, boop, you just disappear in there. You know, I mean, the 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 door sills, I mean, the, uh, the, the, the window sill is right up to your shoulder. You know, you shouldn't be there. It should be below your shoulder, maybe a couple of inches, you know, so you can hang your arm out or whatever. But the mustang they did a real really good job it's lean bobby your thoughts on this because you're a 23 year old kid and you like cars and you're going to be the future buyer of a mustang and a and a bronco and uh, who knows what else
3: well that two-door is going to be very very appealing um the the you know the four-door is going to be a, a family vehicle you know things mm-hmm. like that um to be going to camping it's going to be the go-to go-to suv that's for sure um as for the uh, two door, that's that's gonna you know that's gonna be uh, uh, appealing to those who love the outdoors and maybe don't love the outdoors just as much, but they just, just cause of the looks of it, the the um, uh, the design is just uh, so appealing to a wide variety of uh, people of and and of my age and not my age, you know. Yeah, well, like in the
0: original '66 commercial, called it the four by four. Sports car. That's what it was. 4x4 sports car. You know, four-wheel drive sports car. So it pretty much was, and it it has a sporty look. On that note, I think uh, Tommy's going to go ahead and fire up the stereo, because we got a little, uh, how about a little Alan Jackson, since we're on a Southern thing? And both Alan Jackson and Toby Keith. Toby Keith did that little thing about the Ford truck man. Alan Jackson's also a Ford guy and a uh, really uh, um, avid car collector. And here's a little Alan Jackson, and the song's called Drive.
1: Second hand from a dealer in Atlanta. I rode up with Daddy when he went there to get her. Put on a shine, put on a motor Built out of love made for the water Ran her for years till the transom got rotten A piece of my childhood will never be forgotten It was just an old plywood boat 75 Johnson electric choke A young boy, two hands on the wheel I can't replace the weight Made me feelin' I would turn sharp Charlotte Make it white, he'd say You can't beat the way an old boat rides Just a little lake across the Alabama line But I was king of the ocean When daddy let me drive Just an old half-ton
0: short bed for My uncle bought new in 64.
2: Daddy got it right, cause the engine was smoking. A
1: couple of burnt valves and it had it going. It let me drive her, we'd haul off a load, down a dirt strip where we'd dump trash off a thick penrope. I'd sit up in the seat and stretch my feet out to the pedals, smiling like a hero that just received his medal. It was just an old hand me down Ford. Three speed on the column and a dent in the door A young boy, two hands on the wheel I can't replace the way it made me feel And I would press that clutch and I'd keep it right He'd say, a little sore son, you're doing just fine Just a dirt road with trash on each side But I was merry, and ready When daddy let me drive
3: Come enjoy the best brews in Tampa Bay at Dunneen Brewery. Known as Florida's oldest microbrewery, they are always working to create a unique variety of craft beers for every taste. In addition, Dunneen Brewery features a full menu, including everything from their famous wings, burgers, salads, flatbreads, and more. Don't forget about their live music, including the Wednesday Night Players Jam. That's Dunneen Brewery, 937 Douglas Avenue in downtown Dunedin. Visit them online at dunneanbrewery.com.
0: We're back and in tuning into Nostalgic Viewing Cars, and we we're just talking about uh, the new Bronco. Which, uh, oh yeah, that was the other thing the article said uh, regarding Broncos is that what the website crashed or something like that, and because people are trying to place orders, what's going on there, Bobby? Okay, yes, yes, the, uh, <laughs> 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 So they're they're they're
3: taking. I guess it's I guess it's a hundred bucks you can reserve it um, uh, right now on Ford.com, but they made a special website, FordBronco.com, just just specifically for the launch. And I guess that's where you take your reservations. And um, sure enough, I, we haven't we have not confirmed this here yet at Nostalgic Radio Cars, but I have read that the site did crash this afternoon because it's uh, couldn't handle the amount of uh, interest
0: and in, uh, reservations that are uh, coming through. So that's cool. We'll see what happens. You know, which is which goes back to the thing I was telling you earlier. It's like you know, I'm fortunate. I was in the cars. My dad wasn't, but all my dad's friends were in the cars. Oddly enough. Um, My dad was PhD educated, so he was uh, an academic, you know. And I was basically, in his eyes, just a little grease monkey, which uh, I did okay for a grease monkey, I guess, you know. But at any rate, uh, my son... uh, you got a radio show. Yeah, yeah, we got a radio show. (laughs) Anyway, my son actually took an interest in this stuff. Now, he's been driving since he was... or I actually had him on motorcycles when he was five, a little Honda Mini Trail, and then I had him driving cars when he was 10. So. 12. 12, 12, okay. So eh, time flies, two years, one, two years. Right, but anyway, so that was pretty cool. And, 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 and his first car that he ever drove was an old vintage Porsche, but it was a stick. The first vehicle he ever drove was what, the Excursion, right? Yes. Yeah, so that was automatic. And then I think he drove the rollback and moved it around a little bit. That In was, fact,
3: that was the first one on a highway. Which would have been us
0: 19. <laughs> us 19. wait a minute wait a minute what, how old were you when you were operating a heavy equipment, what, you you heavy equipment? Well, we borrowed a friend of mine's loader no, right i was 14 i want to say we were 14 when you were done,
3: when we we're doing that okay. yeah
0: maybe close to a learner's license close to, okay so <laughs> I mean, anyway so we'll here say. he is operating a big uh well that was equivalent to a cat 930 or something like 40, that yeah. or yeah or, or deer 644 john Deere, and he, it was a Komatsu or something like that One, yep. yeah something like nope. that so he was raising me up in the in the bucket and i was up there trimming trees so in the in our shop back in the day a lot of fun. Okay, we got a real special guest for you coming on. We've got a, a storyteller coming on. You know, mm-hmm. we always love to hear good stories, and we like somebody that writes a lot because, you know, people get out and they experience stuff just like I do. You know, I go out there and I look at cars. In fact, uh, one of the cars I just got uh, um, approached with here is to go take a look at a 2012 Ferrari California Spider. Okay, that's kind of a really cool kind of car. It's actually it's automatic, you know, and uh, but it's got the retractable hardtop, and it's kind of like a modern day Ferrari with kind of like old California flair. In fact, back in the old days, how the California thing started is because they did spiders back in the late '50s, and the spider is an Italian convertible. Okay, Barchetta is a small convertible open car, and then Spider is a little bit is a four-seater open car, and uh, so but because the California market was extremely strong and that's the majority of the cars were sold in, obviously in you know in the LA area you know with all the the big money celebrities and stuff like that so they nicknamed uh, the Ferraris, the early 250s, they were called California Spiders. Well, since we're into this throwback and this retro thing, which is now appealing to the young kids and where I was going with this is, you know, I'm, you know, I'm an older guy. My son was influenced by it. Hopefully his kids will be influenced. And this is how we get these people, these younger people, into carrying the torch and and, and retaining the interest in, and proliferating the interest in these older cars. Well, another way to do it is by branding, okay, and about uh, retro names. So the California, the Ferrari California, is a throwback to the original California spiders, and the spider that they came out with when they came out with the California Ferrari, or the Ferrari California, is uh, is kind of like a, a tribute to the original 60s, late 50s, early 60s California spider. Which today, by the way, I might add, are pulling closer to 15 or selling for between 15 and 20 million dollars. Extremely sought after cars, and uh, we used to go to the Cavalino down there at uh, West Palm Beach at the Breakers. And a couple of uh, spiders would show up there from time to time. If you go to Amelia Island, you'll always see a California spider or two. If you go to Scottsdale, you'll see a spider or two. And obviously, if you go to Monterey, which, sadly, all these events have been postponed, but you'll see California spiders. Anyway, that's my uh, my take on that right now. And I think what Tommy's going to do is fire up that stereo one more time, and then we're going to go ahead and get our guests on the phone. We might talk some Broncos again. And we might talk some Broncos again, because this gentleman is uh, an automotive journalist, and he's in the know. You tune into nostalgia Nostalgia Kingdom Cars. Here's a little Blackfoot. And let's see, this is a. Uh, I made a left turn and a red light, on a red light, right, Tommy? Okay, and we had Ricky Medlock on our show here not too long ago, so uh, shout out to Ricky Medlock and uh, Lem Skinner. Hey, you're tuning in to Nostalgia Kingdom Cars, don't touch that dial. We got some rock and roll and some good stories coming for you.
1: And Harley. Two throttle jockeys pushing the hottest heap on rubber. Right. What we turn? It's 8.7 and a quarter, that's all. Then two things happen. Macon County. Freeze! And Janelle.
2: You get up the skinny or eat the big apple. Will you look at that?
1: To cross the Macon County line once is wild. To cross it twice is insane. All they wanted to do was to get to California.
2: We got cops chasing us. Hell, we got everybody chasing us. that crazy cop. Get to
1: Return to Macon County. Rated PG.
3: Hey, I'm Christy Lee from All Girls Garage and Barrett Jackson on Velocity, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars.
0: Okay, we're back. And you tuned into Nostalgia Gratitude Cars. Thank you, Christy. Lovely, lovely, lovely lady. Anyway, okay, it's so time to introduce our special guest for the evening. We're on this uh, southern rock and roll thing, and uh, we got our friend Scooby-Doo here with us. But uh, the gentleman that's coming on the show is a uh, pretty, uh, pretty oh, what's the word? I'm at? Accomplished freelance writer and automotive journalist, and he's written for probably the majority of the publications that we uh, we've used to read, and some of them that we still read. He's also a ghost writer. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, JP Emerson. JP, how you doing, buddy?
2: Doing good, guys. How are you?
0: Well, let's see. Fortunately, you're close by. You're in the same time zone. You're in Tampa. You're not even more than you're not even 30 miles away, are you? Um, yep,
2: yeah, a little bit further than that, but not by
0: much. <laughs> not by much. So, give us a little background on yourself, JP.
2: Uh, well, I'm a freelance journalist and, and author. Uh, I do, as you mentioned, write for uh, most of the major automotive magazines. Uh, I also supply content for websites, uh, supply content for uh, uh, various uh, television sites, uh, do quite a bit of ghostwriting, uh, which if you're not familiar with, is uh, essentially writing the words and someone else posts that information. Um and I write a series called Power Profiles, which uh, is fairly popular, um, and it involves everyone from your neighbor with the cool car to the celebrities you see on television.
0: Interesting. Now, you also did a. I had we had Crystal Lee's uh, um, promo there for us. Now, you did a, an interview with Crystal Lee, right?
2: Yes, I did. I did uh, you know, about two two months ago, I suppose.
0: Uh huh. Um,
2: Yeah, that is for our uh, 2020 Power Profile series, um, which is yet to be released. Uh, But, yep, she's an absolute hoot to talk to, Um, super funny, very down to earth. Uh, What you see on TV is exactly what you get uh, with Christy. She's definitely an accomplished uh, individual.
0: Who are some of the other celebrities that you've uh, done some uh, profiles with?
2: Um, Ann Anstead from Wheeler Dealers. Um, I just completed one with uh, Adrian A.J. Janik from Overhauling.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Um, I've got uh, Dave Kindig from uh, Bitch and Ride Kendig Kindig at mm-hmm. Design. And, uh, Ken Lingenfelter, if you're a Corvette guy, you obviously know the name Ken Lingenfelter.
0: Oh, yes. Uh,
2: Heather Storm from, uh, well, she was on Garage Squad before Christy Lee went to Garage Squad.
0: Uh-huh. Um,
2: I also did work for the Garage Squad crew itself. Um, I'm trying to think of, of some of the other ones. Some of them haven't come out yet, so we're going to hold those tight to the back.
0: Okay. Uh, Tell us about ghostwriting. Now, you know, we, you we, uh, the term, I mean, it's out there. I mean, you hear a lot of it. So basically, when you're ghostwriting, are you sitting down with the person that you're going to be writing for or with, and you kind of discuss things, and then basically you do all the writing, and then, of course, they kind of proof it, and then it gets published from there on, and then they get uh, basically basically all the accolades for it? Is that how that kind of works?
2: Well, it could be that. Uh, usually the ghost writing is uh, here's here's a story or here's information that's going to be um, inf- informational to your website or to your, to your page or your magazine. Here's what's going on uh, I'll use like a, a, a Mustang uh, website or forum. Uh, le- this is what they're talking about right now. This is what's really of interest to them. And I'll write an article or a story or uh, an informational piece. And many times, you, know, you may be familiar, you'll, you'll see something on a website or in a magazine that rather than having a name by the byline, it'll say the staff staff. Uh, you know, you know, Hot Rod Staff, okay. uh, or whoever it, it may be. It won't have a name of the individual that wrote it. Uh, essentially, it's a fancy name of saying, I'm writing the story, and my name doesn't appear on it.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, your uh, website, go ahead and give out your website real quick so people can find you.
2: Uh, my website is jpemerson.com. nice and easy, just like the name.
0: Okay, now there's some there's some stories on there on your website, and though I wanted to bring this one up particularly because I found this one kind of interesting. You know, because our show is a human interest show, and your mm-hmm. website, your writing, a lot of the stuff that you do, a lot of your journalism is also human interest oriented. So there was a story on there about a uh, quadriplegic that had a uh, I think it's a '68 to '69, '67, '68, '69 Dart uh, GT, kind of a retro throwback kind of car that he built up. Tell us a little bit about the story because I thought it was really really cool. Because here's an example of someone that's Pretty much going through and gone through some really really hard times in terms of physical disabilities, but yet he was able to overcome it. And then he's and with that, he's kind of like uh, you know sending a positive message out to other people like that to you know how to overcome it and how to deal with it. So share that story with us because I thought that was kind of heartwarming.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, That individual uh, is a he's actually a, a local educator in the in the Tampa Bay area. Uh, he he's been doing it for thirty plus years, and of course he's a huge car nut, a, a major Mopar guy. Uh, that that I hear from him quite a bit, and essentially his story is uh, just out of high school uh, here in Florida. He he went to a buddy's house to go swimming right after right after graduation, and uh, he suffered a catastrophic injury jumping into the swimming pool that 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 left him a quadriplegic. Uh, He had some difficult years, as you may imagine, being a young man at that time, uh, trying to find his way through life, or or his new life. Um, He got into, uh, at the urging of of family and friends, he got into uh, wheelchair racing uh, to satisfy his need for speed. Uh, And from that, he he thought, you know, I was always a pretty good mechanic, you know, let's let us let us see what I can do. His his dream at the time he, he always won it, uh, I believe it was a road runner, um, but of course you know life gets in the way of that, and from from that he he got into teaching. I I believe he started as a as a social studies teacher. He got into uh, technology, uh, technology student association uh, of Florida, which is an outstanding. Uh, public and private i believe uh technology club uh that they do here in the local schools and through that he was able to to find himself the dart and and he got his kids involved and what he physically couldn't do uh, he was teaching his kids uh you know, they would come by and and help him essentially build this this car uh, and in my story uh it's it, it really says, you know, when, you, when you're walking through a car show, uh, which is where you'll see him, he's, he's at local cruise nights all over the Tampa Bay area. Um, when you're walking through a car show, you have a tendency to walk past cars that m- maybe aren't perfect. You know, they, they, Unless it really appeals to you, you kind of notice the door dings and, and funny pieces and, and things on this car. And it makes you question it because you, know, you, you rarely see him by the car. But when you realize that this is someone that hand fabricated all of these things that uh, essentially drives with one hand, um, you know, accelerate, brake, turn, turn signal, shift, you name it, one hand, uh, then you kind of understand what it takes uh, and, and what level of passion someone really has for, for the hobby. Uh, he, he's gone on to, to drag race it. Um, and, and as he's getting on in age, you know, he, he's come to the point where he says, you know, I, um, my days of doing this are coming to an end, so I, I, I can teach tomorrow's generation how to do these things. Uh, and they really take to him because he, he's a real likable guy. Um, and there's nothing he wouldn't do for the kids. This is, this is the kind of educator that you want your kids to have.
0: It's a it's a really cool story. And in fact, if you go to the website, it shows pictures of him doing burnouts and everything like that. And I I had to look close because I looked at, I generally when I look at a car, I always look at the license plate, and I saw a light blue tag on him going Florida, you know you know our Florida antique tags. So that's mm-hmm. kind of what prompted me to read the read the uh, the article through and through. And it's right, you know the car's not perfect, it's got some flaws, but it's a driver. But the fact that he mm-hmm. Manufactured, you know, in, in with his own, you know, with, with his little network there, uh, all the controls to be able to control that car, drive that car. It's obviously it's automatic and everything like that. But to, to be able to get that car to to drive, and him, you know, with, in a wheelchair and being, you know, quadriplegic and or nearly totally um, and to be able to drive the car I thought that was a pretty interesting story so that's one of the reasons what uh, I, I wanted you to tell that story because it's very inspirational which basically says just like you said if, if somebody's passionate about something and has the will and the desire and it comes from within the soul okay the soul the drive the energy you can achieve anything fair statement
2: absolutely absolutely and that's and that's definitely the the, the message that he's giving uh, the students at his at his school and, and everyone that comes in contact with him. You, you just won't meet a more positive individual. Uh, and that shows in everything that he does. And, and, and that's what really stood out to me. This is a story that needs to be told. Uh, you, you, won't find, you won't find his car on the cover of a major magazine, but his story should be on the cover of everyone, uh, uh, of everyone's mind because it's just that good.
0: Do you have uh, other stories similar in in significance? You know, maybe not surrounding someone necessarily, um, uh, you know, that's 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 handicapped or anything like that. But another story where where it shows some real true passion about what they do and their involvement in cars.
2: Well, I do. I, I majority of what I write uh, are those types of stories because everyone has a great story. Most people don't think that they do or they feel a little embarrassed to, to share it or don't think that their car is worthy. Um, and I write stories not so much about the car per se uh, for my power profiles. The car is part of the story, but I, I want to talk to the, to the owner. I want, I want their story. I want, I want to know what makes it special to them. Um, and and, and there's, you know, there's a couple that, that stand out to me. Uh, there was a, a young lady up in North Carolina um, I got in contact with her about a year or so ago. Um, uh, her name is Sydney Lett, and uh, she's a singer-songwriter up in the Carolinas, and she's a huge Mustang fan. Uh, she sent me photos of her, of her Mustang, and, and it's basically her baby. Um, she, she's out making it on her own, um, writing songs, and, and, and working with some of the biggest names, you know, in, in the industry, you know, I know, she's, I know she's worked with Blake Shelton and Diamond Rio and oh, wow. um, you know, Leanne Rimes. Um I also know that she's got you know, some new music coming out in the fall, and her love is two things. It's it's music and it's classic cars, um, and I'll throw in NASCAR as well, because she's very big on the NASCAR scene. Um in fact, she's got a song called We Are NASCAR that you just really need to hear. Um, but to talk to someone, especially at that time at, at, at her age, that's so passionate about it, um, you know, she she comes by it, you know, through through her family. She comes by it through her friends that, that says, you know, this is something that I'm interested in. You know, when other people are, are playing Xbox or or. You know on the computer or on the phone all the time this was something that, that she was passionate about and she's still passionate about and and, and it's refreshing to see those things um, because that's that's what we need the next generation um, we need the next generation to be interested in these things and all it takes is somebody to to show it to them um, it, it, it doesn't have all the bells and whistles of today's cars but it's something that, that they, can, they can do themselves and take pride in. Uh, and that was, that was one that really jumped out to me. Um, you know, you, you will definitely hear her name in the future because she, she's very talented and, and one of the people that you wanna see succeed. Um,
0: now, we were uh, talking, go ahead. No, that's right. Go ahead. Okay. Um, uh, I, was, I mentioned earlier in the show that the uh, Hagerty had just written an article um, saying that the 65-66 Mustang is the most popular collectible car on the planet. I used to jokingly say, you can take a Ford Mustang and you could drop it on the Himalayas, and a Yeti would walk up to it and know exactly what it is and how to start the car and drive it off the mountain. And mm-hmm. you're a Mustang guy, too. So, you know, being a car guy and you're an automotive journalist— is does the car guy thing come first, or does the journalism thing come first for you?
2: Well, the car guy gave birth to the journalism guy. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: I like that. That's good. <laughs> and uh, well,
2: right. you, you, you can see a Mustang anywhere. Uh, you know, but don't get me wrong. I mean, I I, I love them all. I, I cut my teeth on the Mustang. Mustang was my first car, and that's and that's what I learned on.
3: Uh-huh.
2: But I, I I sure love I love many of the Mopars and the the Chevys and, and I mean cool is cool and that's why I always say if it's cool then I'm interested in it um, you know I, I try not to get stuck on on you know one particular brand um, because as, as a journalist you just can't do that you, ha- you have to be interested in everything mm-hmm. uh, and it's very easy to be uh, especially after you meet the people that own it and you see that no matter what they like, They have the same interest that you do you know they there's there's maybe to a different brand but they're all saying the same thing
0: well i always say this too even on a show there's a certain camaraderie in the car culture um that doesn't really exist in a lot of music i would say it does musical instruments guys you know there's there's a there's a camaraderie there you know there's an understanding and i think the same holds for true. it's not like there's a lot of competition there is competition but it's not like a uh, malicious competition, you know, like uh, it's just it's kind of a friendly competition, just like you said, and, and even in racing you see it too, you know. I mean, I've seen guys at the racetrack, and you know, one guys, you know, teams help other teams, you know, uh, a lot. Sure. So, um, where you, we, do you do some? Do you write commercials and and articles for like you know like branding and stuff like that too? I mean, does that is that in your uh, in your wheelhouse?
2: Well, I haven't written any commercials for any any brands, but. I'd certainly be interested in talking to people about it,
0: okay.
3: uh, because
2: I certainly see, I, I certainly see quite, quite a bit of questions, you know, what do you think of, of this particular product, or, or what should I use here, uh, or what, what companies do you suggest, uh, and that, that could be a slippery slope. I, I can only speak through my own experience uh, in, in and what, what I'm telling people.
0: How do you go about finding a lot of the articles that you want and storylines that you want to write? I mean, do you read the news a lot, and you pick up ideas? You go to a lot of shows. I mean, what is what's uh, where's where's your source? Kind of like uh, come from, you know? I mean, what's your 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 well, so to speak, as they say.
2: Well, it's all of those things actually. Uh, it, it's online. There's there's hundreds and hundreds of online clubs and forums. Uh, Pick a brand, pick a car, and you can find one. Um, uh, of course, it's through social media. Uh, it's it, magazines. It's car shows. Uh, car shows are a great place to get leads uh, and a horrible place to you know to do a story. Uh, you, you can't get good pictures at a car show. <laughs> um, and then, and then I always, when I speak with somebody or, or or I work with them, I always ask them, you know, do you know anybody, you know, that that got a cool car or a cool story or, or share it with a friend and see if they're interested because uh, you never know where they leave uh, and that's and that's where most of it comes from it's just reaching out and talking to somebody uh, and not just being the car guy that wants to talk about the car it's being it's being jp that wants to talk to you
0: now if somebody wants you to do a story on them how does it work i mean do you is there a fee for doing this? I mean, uh, do you when you send your articles out to, let's say, certain publications, do they pay you? How does it work in the in the automotive journalism world? You know, I mean, because I'm sure there's some listeners out there that go, "Yeah, that sounds like something." I mean, I'm not a writer. Uh, if anything, I got a little bit of a gift of gab, but. Uh, and even though I do appraisals and I do write and I have to do narratives all the time, I'm you know, for me to sit down. I don't have what they call in, in German. We say "sitzfleisch," which means sit pants. If you wanted to translate it, it's going to be. I don't, I don't have. I, I can't sit still long enough to write stuff. But I, my mind wanders all over the place, you know. And then I make notes here and there. But 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 there are people, and I'm sure you're that way, that just have that are disciplined. I think that's the right word for it. They can actually sit there and take that thought and expound on it. So, if people wanted to kind of make a career out of it, kind of like you do, how do they go about doing it, and is there, can you make a living at it?
2: Well, you can certainly make a living at it, although it's gotten much harder in the last couple of months with with all this COVID. (laughs) Um, As far as what does it cost, well, if there's if, if there's a, a company or a website or a magazine you know there, there's a difference between an assignment which comes at a cost mm-hmm. and somebody that says hey here's my story uh, I don't know whether you think it's it's worthy or not or, or you know whatever they may say what do you think there's no charge for that uh, because what that does is, is it allows me to talk to them and get their information and and then I can go and and submit it to one of the publications that I'm doing work for, and say, "Hey, this, I think this is this is something we ought to go with," um, you know. And then of course they run it. Uh, so there's no there's no charge at all for someone to submit something and and share their story. Um, I mean, it, it. You know, I wouldn't want to pay for somebody to. You know to tell my story I, I want them to be interested in in what I have to say. so that's kind of the way I go you know from a car guy perspective um, you know you you're you're telling me your story you're not selling it to me um, but that's that's kind of how I operate but if there's if there's a company or a website or, or somebody that you know wants me to do something then then yeah I mean I, I, I've got to do it. I mean this is what I do.
0: Do you uh, Where do you think the future of print is? I mean, obviously we know the Internet, social media um, is huge, is expanding ever so. But there's still a lot of us old schoolers that still like picking up a magazine and looking at it. I mean, I know when I go to Publix every once in a while, the first thing I do is I grab a publication. Once in a while I go to a library and then, uh, you know, but I still like looking at magazines. Um, and uh, But you, you hear this thing, print is dead. Well, I don't think so, but share your thoughts on that.
2: I don't believe that it's dead. Uh, I believe it's severely diminished. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, a a lot more that that goes into it. Um, you know, when you go and, and you pick up a magazine for five, six, seven, eight dollars, or, or whatever whatever it may cost, it it seems inexpensive. Um, but there's a whole lot more that goes into it. There's there's advertising fees and and printing cost and mailing and and all of that. Uh, so it's a pretty, pretty expensive venture to be in, uh, let alone paying the individuals that are, that are actually working for the magazine or, or or like myself, a freelancer submitting work. Um, I do think that the internet is, it's moving at light speed currently, uh, toward mostly, uh, digital. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really can't help but do it. Uh, I try to compare it to to pictures. you know I say all the time you know, we used to be able to hold our pictures and now now they're on our phone and when our phone when our phones die they die with it. Uh, fortunately, the internet as, as they say lives forever uh, but I, I, do, I do see it going in that direction. Uh, if you look at if you look at automotive shows on television you can find plenty of them on on some of the network but a large majority of them are are on youtube or or uh, pay-per-view they're they're done with one or two people uh holding a camera there's not much script it's just what they're working on uh it it costs a lot less uh and you get a lot more people watching it over and over and over uh so that, that's the way i kind of compare the print right now that's, that's the way i see it going
0: are you going to make more of a transition to the video uh, side of things a little bit, or are you going to stay on the on the journalist side?
2: Oh, I, I think I have the face for radio, so I don't <laughs>
0: think I'll be doing any video. Okay. Well, you can come sit in with it. I should have actually said, why don't you just, since you're in Tampa, I should have just had you come over and sit in there. But we can do that again. You know, next time, uh, okay. you know, a couple of months down the road or something like that, if you're in the Clearwater area, we can do that because uh, sure. we're not going anywhere anytime soon. We've been here 10 years, so we're, hope, we're looking okay. forward to another 10 years. But... Um, now, we got a minute or two left. Is there something you want to say, something you want to share with everybody, a little, you know, a minute or two story or something like that?
2: Um, yeah, actually, I, I, I'd, I'd like to give a shout-out to a, a group over in Tampa that does some really great work, uh, uh, if, I can, if I can call them by name. Sure. Uh, they're the old hard cruisers okay. in Tampa. Uh, and uh, Lieutenant Colonel uh, Chris Reynolds. Uh, Chris is a retired Air Force Lieutenant Colonel. Uh, the Dean of uh, American Military University and uh, does work at at UF and USF. Um, They do travel all over. Uh, Chris is definitely somebody that you would want to talk to, uh, especially being a Mustang guy. Uh, Again, if you look at at my website, you'll find one. Uh, You'll see his car. It's all decked out in uh, US Air Force colors. In fact, the gas cap is a USAF logo. Uh, Chris is a great guy, and, and the group there is a great guy. Uh, and, and anytime that, that something comes up that, that I need something where, where I can tell them, hey, here's an individual that needs some help that's in your area, these guys are always first to jump in uh, and lend a hand. So um, they're definitely worthy of a shout-out here. Uh, and definitely somebody that, that, that you probably have a great time talking to because they are a riot.
0: Sounds good. Well, JP, I want to thank you for uh, coming on the show this evening. And uh, um, as usual, we're always up against the clock here, you know. But uh, one more time, go ahead and give out your website so people website can find is,
2: it. website is com, Or you can reach me on Twitter at the underscore jpemerson. Okay.
0: Uh, actually, we got another two or three seconds or 15 seconds. Are you working on any project cars yourself right at the moment?
2: Uh, I am not working on any project cars right now. Uh, I'm happy to say that that that's behind me at the moment, and and we'll see what the future brings. All
0: right. Well, if you decide you want a Mustang, you know who to call. Call the Mustang (laughs) Busters. (laughs) over here. JP, thank you very much for coming on the show. Uh, Best of luck to you in the world of automotive journalism and your interviews and all the other good stuff. And uh, we'll definitely keep in touch.
2: All right, guys. I appreciate it.
0: All right. Thank you. I want to thank my vessel, my very special guest here uh, for the evening, J.P. Emerson, freelance automotive journalist and ghostwriter. So if, you got, uh, if you're got if you not a good writer and you need a ghostwriter, this is a gentleman you want to call. In the meantime, I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in to Nostalgia Getting Cars. Don't forget, every Tuesday night here on the Town Talk Radio Network, for the most fascinating legendary names, like it says on our banner, Bobby, you got something you want to say?
3: Yeah, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Instagram. Go follow us and stop creating cars in Gulfstream Motorsports.
0: And get out and drive your cars. Get out and drive, drive, drive. Cars, boats, motorcycles, everything. In the meantime, hey, thanks, Tommy. He's in there. Big thumbs up. In the meantime, everybody, stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family.